Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Aaron Pym, and what I like to do here on the pod is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to have conversations surrounding sex and sexuality with me. Oh, today I'm very excited. We have, okay, let's, yeah, let's just, let's just get right into the introduction. I'm so excited <laughs> to talk to them. So let's just announce Drag King Superstar Christopher Cummings. Oh, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm so in love. Just that name just makes me laugh. I love it. Oh, it's a great name. Do you know where it comes from? I would love to know where Cummings comes from. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) Um. Yeah, for the the viewers who don't know me yet, or you know, know my uh, chosen name is Kit, and Kit is normally a short form for Christopher. So when I was picking my stage name to be a drag king, I pretty much got inspiration from my name, Kit, and Christopher, and then it went, oh no, it has to be something more. So then became born Christopher Cummings. <laughs> it had to be a little sexy, didn't it? You know, it had to be. And had same to be a with my, dirty. <laughs> of course. Same with my burlesque name is also from Kit. If you know the uh, movie Night Rider, the car's name is Kit, mm-hmm. and so okay. Ryder Coxwell was born. God, yeah, and then and then more Cox, more. Of course, we have Cummings, we have Coxwell, we have. We have all of it. Got some <laughs> pussy in there. Come on. Come on. <laughs> um, I love how personal you're making it. You know what I mean? That's something that like. Do you think a lot of performers, drag performers, and whatnot, really make it personal like that? I do. I think that the the queens especially because we know the queens so well. Mm. I think some of them do and some of them maybe just err on the side of comedy or some sort of, you know, pretty done up like a bow name. And I think others Mm. do bring a bit more of a personal touch to either their name or their performance. Uh, I think you're seeing it a lot more in drag culture of seeing us, being able to essentially tell our stories through drag and have drag be this beautiful art form of being able to express ourselves in a different way and have it really be an outlet for a lot of the pain that queer people experience on a regular basis. I think drag has really become this beautiful community and outlet for people who are trying to get away from some of the pains of their their world yeah certainly i love how you said that it's like we're we're trying to tell our stories through drags through drag right yeah can you tell me a little bit about like what is christopher cummings story that you're telling 
on stage? Mm. Yeah, I feel like I try to bring usually a little bit of humor into my sets. Uh, sometimes it's just a regular, regular, good old <laughs> drag show. And sometimes I bring a little boylesque into my shows. So I like to play with comedy. I like to play with a little bit of sexy. My very first performance ever was at Buddies in Bad Times. And it was movie. a boylesque performance. I had, uh, you know, pasties on that had mustaches on them. <laughs> and little little kitten heels and boxers with a big old giant cock underneath them. And, you know, the boobies came out at one point and there's mustache pasties flying all over the place and the cock came off and I pretended to, you know, jack off into the audience. And my grandparents oh. were in the audience for that performance. <laughs> oh, yes! <laughs> wow! That's amazing. Right? Were they were they ready? Were they ready to, for that? <laughs> they had no idea what to expect. I didn't even know they were going to come. Oh boy. I had just kind of very nonchalantly, you know, mentioned a drag show that I was doing on whatever day and lo and behold, I come out of the dressing room full drag, you know, cock blazing and my grandparents are like first one into the 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 buddies and bad times theater no they, and they showed up early for the bitter end <laughs> oh <my laughs> yeah God. they showed up early they they left as early as they could but it was still probably way past their bedtime by the time they left but that's so fabulous did you ever follow up with them like what would you think well Funnily enough, a couple weeks later, I finally did a my burlesque debut, which is all I did a more feminine burlesque uh, performance after taking Belle Jamel's class. Okay. And so we do like a, you know, all the students get together and kind of showcase their their uh, talent, right? Yeah. And I invited my mom and my grandparents to that one, and it was my mom who was going, "Is it weird that I'm watching?" my kid get undressed on stage while I'm in the audience with my parents. <laughs> Generational. <laughs> <And> my, yeah. <laughs> it's a party for everybody. Yeah, and uh, yeah, my grandparents were like, no, it's not weird at all. We just love watching kids, you know, do what they love to do. And they, they look like they're having fun. And mm. yeah, my grandparents were not weirded out in the slightest. Oh, I love that. Yeah, my my parents, my brother has come to see me perform burlesque as well. It's like, it's it's a body. It's just a body. And it's performance. And it's, and it's art. art. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly mm -hmm. that. And they want to see you doing what you're what makes you what you're passionate about and your talents. And they want to see, you know, your like, all of that stuff just um, and, and support you and all of that. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, yeah, I think I think burlesque and drag and stuff can be a lot more wholesome than people think. So it's not like, you know what I mean? It's not like a, it's not about like a bunch of fucking perverts in the audience, like being right. weird, weird about it. It's <laughs> usually a supportive community, which might include family, chosen family, you know, whatever. Right. And it's us all coming mm -hmm. together and celebrating, you know, very much so. Totally, yeah. totally. Um, I'm interested that first, uh, that first time that you, you, you put that cock on, 
that first time you put that little mustache on i've seen that i've seen that mustache uh it's brilliant <laughs> by the way like chris cummings mustache is, is a thing to behold <laughs> the little porn stash <laughs> i love it so much and it just like matches your your hair like matches your actual eyebrows and hair so perfectly it's like the perfect it's, oh, it's fabulous i know I wanted to, like, the first time you put that on, like, how did that make you feel? Well, I do remember when I was coming out as non-binary and playing around more with my gender identity and gender expression, I knew about some drag kings in Toronto where I'd grown up and made connections and queer friends and such. And so I thought, you know, I've always been a performer. I've always been a dancer. I'd, I'd love to play around with my gender expression in performance. Like, I'd love to do drag. Mm-hmm. And so I started shopping around for the mustaches and the, the packers and mm-hmm. the binders. And it was when I, I think it was Come As You Are when it was still kicking and, uh, there was a binder there and I went shopping with a friend and I went to the dressing room and I tried on the binder Hmm. and just burst into tears. Like I was just so moved by how seeing myself with a flat chest made me feel. Mm -hmm. Um, I just felt so right. I felt so connected to that visual like just putting on a t-shirt and not seeing a chest anymore Mm -hmm. and I do identify as a non-binary trans individual now I would say that I'm not somebody who has a desire to get surgery you know top surgery or bottom surgery Mm -hmm. Um, definitely very supportive of trans folks who do want to go that route Um, luckily for me just putting on a binder is is enough uh, gratification to just get into that headspace and that feeling of kind of feeling a little bit more masculine or honestly just feeling different than how my body normally feels, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Like it just, it just, it just put me in a completely different mindset and it just, it felt amazing it just felt so euphoric and being able to show that on stage just was the icing on top of the cake Mm -hmm. in a supportive room I'm sure yeah people who who get it and understood it and are there for you to celebrate you and your expression yeah exactly exactly so yeah that first time getting on stage um I think something that we like um that people don't uh maybe don't talk about tons like i think people when they think of binders they think of what it's doing visually to the chest right that it's creating that flatter chest and what looking in the mirror you know with that different silhouette might like look like um i don't know if a lot of people talk about how that how it actually feels to wear a binder and i don't mean emotionally though we're you know, I'd, I'd love to explore that part too. But physically, I'm even just wondering if you can kind of talk about putting on a binder and like what what happens, where everything is going and like how that feels like when you've got it all on. Um, maybe we can talk yeah. about that just for a little bit. 
it's a, a, a definitely a struggle because yeah. either you have these places that you can buy from in person although when I was shopping in stores I didn't find the quality was quite as great mm-hmm. And so then I got recommended to some online shops, which then the quality I found was a lot better. Yet it was a struggle trying to figure out what size was going to be best for me. Yeah, because what should you do ideally? Like you should be taking measurements and like, should you get it fit on you? Like what's the ideal scenario here? Online, they usually have like a size chart Mm. so that it'll kind of give you a bit of an idea of if you're, you know, this, this many uh, inches or centimeters, whatever we use, um, around your bust and that your bust is this size and that your, your hips are here, you know, you should be about a medium or a small or an extra large. Okay. Um, so that part at first was a little bit daunting because I'm so petite, but I'm really, really chesty. Like I have mm. quite big breasts. Mm. So trying to find... At first, I'm thinking, oh, I'll go for, you know, something on the smaller end so that it's not so baggy around uh, my waist. But then if it's too small and doesn't fit over my chest, then you get some, you know, you get a little bit of that side boob that spills out a little bit. And it just doesn't feel as comfortable. Uh, So I did end up getting a size that was too small for me. And luckily, I was able to uh, exchange it for a size that, that truly fit. Once it was on, oh, a dream. Like, it actually feels a lot more comfortable than I think a lot of people give credit for. Like, if you find the right size, a brand that's good quality, it you don't want to wear it for too long. Obviously, after a few hours, it does get a little bit uncomfortable. But for the most part, it's usually very breathable material. Um, a lot of companies now are doing, like, uh, a lot of different types of skin tones. Mm-hmm. so you can wear for example you could wear it to the beach right and kind of look a little bit like you're you just have uh the same toned tank top on or something like that or you can get ones that are fun colors if you want to go really extravagant so there's a lot of more options out there i think now that especially queer culture and trans culture is being talked about more and being more widely accepted Mm-hmm. Now companies are kind of jumping on the bandwagon and going, oh, well, let's give them all the options. <laughs> you can get them in a crop, you can get them long, you can get them, you know, with unicorns on them, or you can get them <laughs> the same skin tone as your skin. So there's there's so much, and, and they're doing a lot better, I think, with quality, too. So they are actually comfortable. That's awesome. And the one you have now is just like, how, how like... Um... Um, do you wear uh, your binder then, like, for drag performances, but do you wear it at other times, too? Yeah, so I predominantly wear it for drag. Um, sometimes I'll actually go binderless for my, and have, like, full tips out for my drag performances, because I do yeah. like to gender bend as well, kind of play around with, like, this is our societal view of what gender is, but let's break that down and just completely throw it out the window kind of deal. Yeah, I love um, that. But yeah, I did I do, that. which is so much fun. Yeah. I did do, usually for the month of November, I dressed, quote unquote, in drag for the whole month of November to raise money and awareness for Movember. Yes, yeah. Um, oh, because I, you know, 
Yeah, I can't grow my own mustache, but I can stick one on and put on a binder, <laughs> put in a packer, and out the door we go. So um, I would do. I would go to work in drag. I went on dates in drag, which was really fun. Tell me about that. Can you talk about what that felt like? Yeah, it was interesting that I actually went on quite a few dates with straight men in mm. drag. Mm. Um, they, they knew kind of what I looked like outside of drag, but they, they would ask me out on a date and I would say yes. And then kind of reluctantly tell them just to let you know, I'm doing this thing for November. I know it sounds kind of weird, but I'm going to be showing up to this date in drag. I hope that's okay. And every single straight dude was totally okay with it. Like they were, you know, curious and interested, but it didn't seem to phase them what about when they saw you what was like the reaction did the date was the date kind of different in any way because of it um I didn't feel like I got treated differently necessarily by the individual mostly just because I tend to go on dates with people that I feel like I've already vetted and I'm kind of comfortable with Mm mm-hmm um, but where we ended up going, like I went on one date with this guy in drag and we went to a rock climbing, uh, mm. place. And that was interesting because you can kind of tell where my makeup would end at a certain point if I was wearing a tank top and you could kind of see after sweating for a bit, like the mustache was starting to come off. And <laughs> right, right. if you looked closely, you could see the stubble was grown you know drawn on not grown in Hmm. so Hmm. you get like a little bit of like some looks and stuff like that and having to do like real physical activity and full drag makeup a binder and a packer (laughs) not not ideal (laughs) not ideal maybe not recommend um but it's still it's still lovely Are you planning on doing Movember again or anything kind of maybe a different thing surrounding your drag? Um, I I would love to do it now that I don't live in the city anymore and I live in Collingwood. Mm -hmm. Being a queer person in a small town, I feel as though I've become more of an advocate for queer youth. Yeah. And I really do take every opportunity I can to show my advocacy so whether it's wearing my pronoun tag at work or I'm part of the pride committee here in Collingwood just a lot of different ways that I can bring my voice to the table and hopefully you know the the message and the advice that I bring my goal is that that helps other young queer people I love that yeah is there drag Mm -hmm. in Collingwood Oh, honey, honey, (laughs) let me tell you, there is actually a really rich drag uh, culture here. We have a uh, restaurant in town called Lowdown, and it's owned by these lovely individuals who love RuPaul's Drag Race, and they actually hire a lot of queens from the city, and there's a few queens that now live here or close to here. Um, and are coming up and doing performances all the time. We had Trinity the Tuck from RuPaul's Drag Race play at one of our theaters. And she came for our Pride weekend in the middle of July. 
And we just recently had Miss Cracker also play at the same theater, the Gaiety Theater, uh, funnily enough. And Love her. Yeah, Miss Cracker came. I got a little meet and greet with her. So there's quite a rich queer culture here in Collingwood. Oh, my God. Who'd have thunk it? Not me. <laughs> right? <laughs> me neither, neither did I, but here we are. <laughs> so what, um, so Pride Community, you're like on the Pride board. Um, what did, did we see Christopher Cummings come out in, uh, during Pride season in the summer? Oh, for sure. I was all booked up that weekend. Love it. Um, I had a bunch of different sets at the Lowdown Bar that I had mentioned. We did an outdoor performance, and we had kings and queens perform side by side. It was so much fun. I did uh, Dude Looks Like a Lady, <laughs> yeah. um, if you know that song. Yeah. Dude Looks Like a Lady. And I point to the drag queens, and they thought it was hilarious. Um, I did my first boat cruise, so that was really fun. Wow. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm performing in a couple talent shows. I'm performing in Barrie, Midland. Um, yeah, I'm performing place. like in all these other small towns now, so it's been really fun. That's amazing. Can you talk a little bit about, because you mentioned, um, and I don't think people that like aren't in the drag community don't kind of know maybe that there is a bit of a separation between drag kings and drag queens and how mm-hmm. it kind of is unique to have both build on the same show. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? It's so interesting that you asked that because I did a live Instagram performance for our Pride Collingwood event. And part of it was a QA. Mm-hmm. So I did a performance. And then there was a Q&A afterwards. And in my time researching, you know, just about drag in general before doing this Q&A, because you never know what people are going to ask, you know, how yeah. did you become a drag king? But how did drag kings come about? You know, why are, why are queens more popular than kings? Why do we know more about drag queens? There's a whole drag queen franchise, right? Like, queens are really, really, really big. Mm-hmm. And kings are start up and coming, but you don't really hear about them as much. Mm-hmm. And in my research, I found that a big part of why drag kings aren't as popular is because we're kind of representing something that in queer culture we want to avoid which is the patriarchy and misogyny and all these things that cis men represent right you're dressing up like a dude and that is kind of intimidating in in queer culture a little bit not for everybody obviously we have a ton of allies that are cis men that are absolutely fabulous Mm -hmm. Um, however, that's just not the standard or the case for most people. And so a lot of people actually feel uncomfortable going from, you know, their regular regular self into this persona of somebody who maybe doesn't represent exactly what it is that queer culture is, quote unquote, supposed to be representing. Um, I think that's a big reason why a lot of drag kings gender bend and they do like the glitter beards or they wear the big false lashes and they'll have lipstick and heels and all these things that we equate to be 
more feminine, but they bring it into their drag. Yeah. Uh, so I've always found that nugget kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. I I um, booked um, Imogen Quest on way back in the day when we were doing the stage show bedpost, and um, Imogen was like, "Hey, I know you booked like booked me as a drag king. Um, I'm I'm thinking of bringing this really vulnerable performance." Um, does that still fit in with like the vibe or maybe that will, you know, change where you want me in the lineup or whatever. But I'm thinking of doing like this really emotional ballad um, because of all those reasons that you mentioned. Like I want to show, you know, um, in in my drag king persona, I want to show that, um, you know, masculinity can mean vulnerability. You know, it doesn't have to be this toxic masculine kind of a caricature of a man. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I want to show this this spectrum, even within just like um, masculine, you know, masculinity, even within that, there's so many different ways that can be represented and so many different ways that can look and so many different ways, um, you know, masculine people are valid in all their different kind of um presentation and whatnot right and I I found that so interesting because yeah when I booked them I was assuming you know it might be like maybe a high energy kind of a number or whatever I don't know what I had in my head but I was like oh no but I love yes 100% I absolutely love that I want to see like this male persona be super um emotional on stage that's way more interesting and way more authentic and the message is so much more on brand you know with something like that right yeah i agree i um i've done a couple emotional pieces i did one dedicated to my dad a couple years ago and for those of you who don't know my dad died of suicide about 10 years ago Hmm. and after doing that vulnerable performance I wore my dad's tie, like just all these things. I did it, I did it to a song that my dad loved. Oh, wow. And I was asked oh, wow. afterwards to perform at my church doing that performance. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Did- which is, which is huge. Cause we do as queer people, I think still have a hard time struggling with the idea of these um, religions and these, uh, groups and you know whatnot coming together and, and hating us and how how can we be associated with with people who don't accept who we are I've been very lucky enough to have grandparents who come to my drag shows and they walk in the pride parade and they're part of P-Flag mm-hmm. um, and they also you know my grandpa's a retired minister so I almost feel more weird coming out to my queer friends as a person of spirituality than I do to my church friends as a person who's queer. My church friends are like, oh, you're <laughs> queer, whatever. Interesting. Right? But my queer friends are like, oh, you go to church? What? So it's kind of an interesting world that I live in. Wow, that is interesting. And um, I bet they're more alike than you'd think, you know? Mm-hmm. Like they mm-hmm. seem, seem human, disparate. Right? Yeah, yeah, we all have layers, Mm -hmm. exactly that same thing of like, I can express my queerness and I can live in my queer life, you know, in all different ways. And, you know, maybe a lot of people's paths don't involve, you know, going to church on Sundays, but I'm sure a lot Mm -hmm. of people's do. And it's like, that's super valid as well. You can do both, you know? 
totally. I mean, life is a duality. It's living in the and. I'm happy and I'm sad. I'm excited and I'm nervous. Yeah. There's so many things. I am I'm spiritual and I'm queer, right? So sometimes we we put ourselves in this box like we have to just be this one identifier or this this few little things that seem to correlate together and that's what makes sense. When really life is a spectrum, our whole gender is a spectrum, our sexuality is a spectrum, our life what we do in our life is a whole beautiful rainbow of different aspects and colors and events and situations and things. <laughs> um, and But we forget that. We forget that we can experience life to the fullest by living in the end and having all these moments of ups and downs and all around. It doesn't just have to be the straight and narrow. Yeah, I love that. And that's, isn't that just the non-binary, you know, I love how you said that living in the and that that strikes me as the, maybe the most non-binary thing someone could say. I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For folks who don't know at home, I am non-binary. Say them, please. <laughs> <laughs> please and thank you. Thank you. Respect the pronoun. <laughs> Let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors, shall we? First of all, ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. Club M4 is the largest sexually charged lifestyle club in the GTA, and they have sexy themed events running all the time. Here's just a few as I'm scrolling through their Instagram, which is located at Club M4 Events. We have threesome Fridays, we have a sexy plus size play party, a night revolving around mini skirts, naughty on a school night. Ooh, and a Buy Pleasure Wednesday night dedicated to all things oral. Well, if that doesn't get you excited enough, you can head on over to their website at clubm4.com to investigate even further. The club is located at 1989A Dundas Street East in Mississauga. You can come by and see what a club made for swingers by swingers is all about. Um, this is kind of an interesting thing that you you brought up surrounding um, representing masculinity um, in like queer in a queer community or in queer culture. Like, I think that there is um, I maybe you can confirm or deny or, or tell me in more nuanced kind of um if you've experienced this, but this is something that also happens like with trans masculine individuals and trans men where, I don't know, there's like some sort of um, stigma that happens uh, because people are assuming that they are trying to like access this like cis male privilege, you know what I mean? Mm. And, and that somehow mm -hmm. they're like not treated the same in the queer culture because it's like, well, I don't know, something like the, the intentions mm. surrounding their trans masculine-ness are like 
rooted in this this idea to like move up a rung on the ladder or something like that mm. yeah i can i can see why people might have that here for sure um because as queer people we really band together and find community and support in one another so i could see how somebody might see a non-binary mass person or a trans mass person as oh well you know now you have this privilege so you're right. you can't sit with us kind yes, of yes. mentality yeah i didn't know how to like yeah. say it but that that's exactly what i'm getting at yeah yeah and and i think that we're starting as a queer community to learn that we can't we can't go as low as our haters like yes. let's not let's let's continue to love each other let's continue to support each other even though this person maybe now passes as somebody who looks like a cis man yeah you know and has now this uh privilege let's say right they're still one of us they are still part of the community they still have you know, the trials and tribulations of being trans that goes along with anyone who is non-binary and trans, they still have their moments of challenge and things that they face that aren't always so fun. And if they're now being isolated, right. Yeah. And if if they're being now isolated by the people that are supposed to understand the most, like, yeah. That is just not okay, folks. Like we need to support each other, and it is heartbreaking because statistically, um, queer, black, trans women are still marginalized, even within our own community. Like this is ridiculous. Like these are people who were supposed to be uplifting, supporting. We're supposed to be loving them, especially when they are so part of a marginalized line, so out there on 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 the forefront and 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 fighting the good fight, you know, we need to support them now more than ever. Um, yep. because otherwise we're letting the haters win. We're they're finding a crack in our foundation and they want us to be divided because there's strength in numbers. So if they make sure that they keep chipping away at that crack and they keep dividing us, we're just going to be weaker. Why not be stronger together? Yeah. And to me, it's just so wild that, you know, um, drag queens, you know, the machine, the RuPaul machine, you know, is now Mm -hmm. so mainstream, right? And enjoyed by so many people who... um, you know, and, and let's be honest, like probably enjoyed by a lot of turfs, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like a lot of a lot of white turfy people not realizing um, or kind of wanting to disengage from, you know, the fact that drag was started by black trans women, um, yeah. you know, and like to enjoy drag queens but at the same there's so much happening there's so much terrible things happening like literally um people are trying to shut down drag shows that um 
are all ages venues like and drag shows that um, are like things that were lovely drag events that were happening like drag queen story times and stuff that included children um, you know in drag um, culture and drag performances and um, connected kids with uh, drag queens like a lot of that is just under fire right now and you know the next thing is that um, because there's so many things happening with trans rights and stuff happening right now it's like the next thing is that they won't allow drag queens to appear in public at all you know that's like the next fucking step what how do you what do you do with all this happening in the world what do you do when you're a trans person to just keep Mm -hmm. plugging along keep surviving and take care of yourself when all this stuff's happening in the world Yeah, I think being somebody who's so spiritual and holistic, I have a really good sense of how to support myself. I have a good support system. I have, you know, tools in place to help me through those dark moments. But I think what's been really clear to me ever since I moved from Toronto to Collingwood is the queer youth. Like every time... I see a kid's eyes light up because they've noticed my pronouns pin at work or when I'm on the street. It's just, it just makes such a huge difference in my life that I want to make a difference in their life because I didn't have that growing up. I didn't have a mentor or, you know, somebody who was young but a little bit older than me that I could use as like a reference of like, oh my gosh, there's still hope. Because I think for any young person, especially when you're going through those teenager stages and going through high school and all the awkwardness and all the bullying, you know, it sucks for anybody. And then you add on top of that being queer or trans or non-binary and it just adds a whole other, you know, story to the mix and other, you know, challenges. And I think being somebody who's still you know, quite young, but, you know, also a young adult, somebody who's pretty well established in their career and and, in the queer culture. And I'm very comfortable with my sexuality and my, my uh, gender identity. Um, I just want to continue being that beacon of hope for people. And that's what really, every time I hesitate to put on a pronoun pin, or I'm reluctant to go outside and drag, I just think of how much doing that is going to make an impact, a positive impact for other people, whether they're young or older or whatever. I just know that I can make a difference. Because what would have that meant to you if you were, you know, let's say 11, 12, 13, those terrible years, 11, 12, 13, 14, you know, (laughs) awful years. Um, What would that have meant to you if you went in a store and the customer service person was wearing a pronoun mm-hmm. pen. What would have that meant to you? Oh, I think just a sense of validation, like that I'm, that I'm seen, I'm, I'm valid, I'm meant to be here. Uh, I think I also would have struggled less early on in my journey. Like when I think about people asking me, you know, when did you know you're non-binary? I knew when I was probably fucking six, but I didn't have any 
I didn't have any vocabulary for it. I didn't have any words for it. You know, I grew up as a tomboy. I all those you know kind of classic stories that you hear from trans and non-binary folk um but i just i just didn't have the words to explain to somebody this is who i am and when i finally had that and this was maybe only five or six years ago that i came out as non-binary it just clicked immediately and so to be able to have that sense of validation earlier on in my life I just feel like I would have struggled less. Yeah, it would have saved you a lot of lot of pain, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can, can you talk just for a second about, um, because some queer individuals' uh, labels are very meaningful, identifiers like that are very meaningful and very helpful. And for other people, they're like some pe- other folks like to go the other way of like, either choosing a super like an umbrella term of a label where they don't have to be specific they can be more fluid more flexible perhaps can you maybe talk me through like what labels how labels serve you yeah I think that one thing to be really careful about when we're thinking about labels or how we identify ourselves is that it doesn't become the end all be all Mm -hmm. right like I know I am queer. I love my queer friends and community and I love being immersed in that culture. But I'm also an artist. I'm also a sibling. I'm somebody's kid. Mm. I'm a best friend. I'm an entrepreneur, right? I'm all these other things as well. And so I think sometimes in queer culture, we get, we think, oh my gosh, we can't get so hung up on this label because then I'm going to be put into this box. And then when I'm put in this box, I can only stay within this box. And I'm only can be friends who also identify with the same identifiers. And, I, and, it start, and we start to feel limited. We feel stifled. Mm-hmm. But I think it's good to have these identifiers. Because for me, not only does it help me uh, you know, understand who I am, it also allows other people to get a little bit of a taste of who I am and especially with pronouns that becomes really important in my identity right like if I if I truly am identifying as non-binary and I use they them pronouns somebody knowing that somebody else knowing that becomes very important for me feeling comfortable around them Mm -hmm. Because if I'm just going to go, oh, well, you know, it's not important. Labels aren't important. It's not important for them to know. Well, then I'm going to get misgendered all the time. <laughs> yeah. Right? So it's, it's so, it's for me to show up authentically and for people to, and for me to feel comfortable interacting with other people. It's, uh, that's where I think the labels are actually very important because it's, it, it, it makes it an easier time for individuals to interact with you and for you to interact with them. Now, this is coming from a very privileged perspective. Maybe for a lot of people, having those labels is kind of scary because you don't know how somebody else is going to react. I have a lot of instances at work where I wear my pronoun tag and you see somebody squinting at it and they go, what's your name, Taya? I'm like, no, my pronouns are they, them. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very funny. 
<laughs> right? What's her name? Taya Tem? Oh my god. Taya Tem. <laughs> That's a good drag name. <laughs> oh, so good. Oh dear. Um, but yeah, it helps the confusion a little bit, you know? Like, I had somebody say, go, oh, you have a pronoun tag. That's really helpful. Hmm. Right? And I'm like, yeah, you know, it is. But it helps me you know, for the most part, get misgendered less. So I do think in that regard, labels can be very helpful in terms of how you navigate the world. Yeah. And I can also appreciate how they might be daunting for some people. And, you know, I've always been a big believer of if, if it doesn't feel comfy for you, if you don't feel like you're, you're ready to come out or ready to express yourself in a certain way, Take your time. The only thing that I would maybe caution is don't take too much time. You know, you want to be able to enjoy your life authentically as you. And I've heard so many sad stories of people who who didn't get that chance, who didn't get to live out their life fully and authentically because they were so scared. And again, I appreciate that that fear comes from a very real and valid place. I'm I'm never would try to push somebody in out of the closet too soon. Yeah. Um, but I, I do also, you know, love to see my little trans babies out in the world living their life happily. Yeah. I think um I'm uh I have a friend that, you know, um went through a coming out process and then um and then had to change, you know, and had to come out again to say that they were going back to a different pronoun. Um, they are not going to use that one anymore that they initially came out as, um, and that that was, um, all the nuanced feelings of how that felt, but including to like, you know, people would assume maybe how hard that was and how badly that felt. And, um, but there were a lot of positive things surrounding that too, of like trying, trying it and then feeling like they were still being misgendered. Um, but that gave them valuable information mm -hmm. for them to take forward. Was there ever a time with you where, you know, maybe you changed an identifier, you know, um, or you, yeah, grew into maybe a new one? Is that anything you can speak on? Yeah, I feel like um, what's interesting is my journey of questioning myself. Like, mm -hmm. I remember I came out really, really young as bisexual. I was maybe like 11 or 12. Wow. And, you know, my parents didn't blink an eye. They said, you know, we love you the way that you are and we love who you love and, you know, as long as you're happy and healthy and, you know, I had a really positive uh, coming out experience. And then I, I didn't have any girlfriends for a really long time. I didn't really have any sexual experiences with girls. And I started kind of questioning, like, am I even gay? Mm. <laughs> you know, mm. and then, and then a beautiful woman would pass me and I'd be like, oh yes, of course. Oh I no, am. yes I am. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah, yep. That little tingling sensation, of course, of course. <laughs> um, and and I have had similar experiences questioning my gender identity because, and I wrote about it in a post recently when 
when I get misgendered and I correct somebody, mm-hmm. I either kind of get one or two responses. Usually it's someone who's very apologetic and really wants to try to correct themselves and go, you know what, I'll, I'll be better next time. Mm-hmm. And then you get the people who go, ah, you know, that's just too hard for me to wrap my mind around. I just, I, I could never do it. I, I'll, I'll never get your pronouns right. Like that's the kind of conversations that, that those are the kind of sentences I'm hearing coming out of people's mouth. And it makes me feel like that me just existing as a non-binary person is a chore for somebody else. It's a burden. My own existence, exactly. My existence is (sighs) a burden. And so because of that, because it's so exhausting then for me to have to correct people, to have to hear people say, oh, well, I'll, I'll never get it right. I just don't care. I'm not going to try. Mm. That's exhausting on somebody's psyche. And you almost go, okay, well, what's the point? I'll just go she, her then. It's just easier, right? And I, again, I think of all these young non-binary trans folks who are just starting to come out of the woodwork, and I just, I know... For me, I, I'm, I'm so confident in my identity now. I just, I just, unless I really felt then more confident as, let's say, a man or a woman, you know, if I felt more confident in that role, then I would, you know, I would switch my pronouns. That's just not the case for me. I'm just, I'm so confident as a non-binary person mm-hmm. and I want to, you know, keep that advocacy going that uh, when I have those moments of questioning it, I just go back to thinking about those young folks who need that beacon of hope. Is that what kind of helps you support yourself when you do get misgendered? Like in those moments, like... Is that something you think about when you're correcting someone? Definitely. Yeah. And I, I also think about um, how to approach it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've had a lot of people comment, oh, you know, like Kit's so great with correcting you and they're really patient. Like they, they kind of are whenever I meet somebody new, mm-hmm. um, and along with some with a friend of theirs, let's say, who knows me really well, mm-hmm. I'll hear them having this conversation in front of their friend that I just met. Oh, you know, Kit's really great. They're really patient. They're, you know, don't worry if you misgender. They'll understand, right? And I am. I'm. I'm a pretty understanding person. Mm-hmm. I, I joke with people like I misgender myself sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like we're we're all unlearning and we're all relearning. It's a process. It's okay. We make mistakes. I think as long as you're from the perspective of, Oh, I'm at least going to try and I'm going to attempt to make these corrections and I may not get it right every single time, but I'm at least going to try. That to me is, you know, Oh my gosh, I can't say how much I appreciate those people because I do get the other end of it of, ah, well, I'm not even going to try. And then it's, it's harder for me to stand my ground. But I do think about those young folks in the, that moment and think, ah, no, they, 
they they need somebody like you. They need somebody who's willing to stand up for themselves and is confident enough to do so. And yeah, it it it, it definitely helps when those moments where I'm getting misgendered to just think, oh, if I was a young kid watching this happen and I just saw them get defeated, mm-hmm. how would that make me feel as opposed to if I saw somebody confidently own who they are? Yeah. What would that inform them? Like that they can only, this is kind of an interesting kind of um, nuanced thing because like, I don't know if like, you know, a lot of people are more comfortable in some spaces over others, right? You know, maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, you have some shitty extended family And in that case, you might not be able to feel as comfortable to be open about, you know, your queerness or your gender or whatever. And it's that thing of like, doing whatever is serving you, like a question I was going to ask you would be like, okay, if you are at your emotional wits end, and you couldn't stand somebody misgendering you on this day, you know, what like how would you then kind of alter your plans you know in a way that Mm. you that would feel good and feel comfortable and not trigger you or or you know make you feel bad yeah and I think I really think that that's just a tough one to navigate I think unfortunately life comes with triggers I think sometimes they're inevitable and hard to avoid I think having a good support system so having other queer friends and other non-binary friends that I can talk to about my experience really helps in those moments when maybe I don't feel like I have the energy to correct people or that I just I'm too exhausted to go out and you know wear what I want to wear because I know I'm going to get strange looks or I know I'm going to get mm-hmm. people questioning my pronoun tag. Mm-hmm. Having those people to to vent to after those circumstances happen or in the moment, you know, um, that's that's again like another reason why. I try to be as confident as I can in my own skin because if I can be a sounding board for somebody in a moment when they feel a little bit distressed or not as confident to be who they are Mm -hmm. and I can be there for them, that's amazing because I know that a lot of people have been there for me when the roles have been reversed and that I've been down in the dumps or needed support. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of people who have supported me. So I, I hope to do the same for other people. Yeah. And I'm sure you do. I'm sure you are a supportive figure for a lot of people. No, thank you. (laughs) I know you are. (laughs) (laughs) You're just that kind of person, I feel like. Yeah, I try. I do. I do my best. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Is there anything... um, We're going to wrap up in a couple minutes. I wonder if there's anything... Uh, any notes we want to leave on as far as that goes, like, since I know you're very passionate about queer youth, is there maybe some advice for queer youths? If there's any, any little BB trans people listening, BB queer people listening? (laughs) 
Uh, finding your tribe, you know, uh, I think that someone recently asked me, they moved to, to Collingwood themselves uh, just a few weeks ago, and they're like, what is there to do in Collingwood? Like, I'm trying to meet new people, and I'm just struggling to find friends. And I was telling them to start with their interests. Like, if you're a painter and you love to go and draw and be creative, mm-hmm. take an art class. If you're somebody who's more sporty, go sign up for a soccer league, um, right? Like for me, I really do love queer culture. So I went on the pride committee and I started reaching out to people about performing because I love being on stage and I wanted to be able to still be able to use that as an outlet and express myself in this new beautiful town that I'm now living in. (laughs) And through that, you'll find either people who are allies or people who are also queer who support you and who you can use as a sounding board when there are maybe those tough times or difficult moments that you're struggling to get through. Having that support system is so key. And there's actually PFLAG is a big one. So parents with lesbian and gay kids, you can go by yourself as a kid. You can ask if you know maybe you're having a difficult time with uh, friends or family members they can come to the meetings with you so that they can ask their own questions and get their own resources i'm hoping to start a p-flag here in collingwood because we don't we don't have that yet and i think that it's necessary mm-hmm. um, but you know in bigger cities like toronto they definitely have those resources and i think something like that can be really helpful because I've seen a lot of families come together through these meetings and it's it's quite lovely to witness I think that's such great advice um yeah I love I love that PFLAG is a fantastic organization and like man if your if your support system can be your actual family like fuck yes like you know give them a chance yeah, to find show your, up find for you because mm-hmm. yeah like i think we hear a lot of queer stories where it's the opposite right where we they get disowned queer people get disowned by their family or get kicked out of the house but i i don't think we hear enough stories where uh, like positive coming out stories there's so many of those too right mm-hmm. and like never put yourself in an un- unsafe situation but um you know also you might have great parents like yours yeah. Oh my gosh. If we know anything from Shit's Creek, sometimes <laughs> we're afraid, you know, to come out and then we're pleasantly surprised. And it hurts my heart to think of those individuals who aren't as blessed as I am. Yeah. You know, that's, again, another reason why I try to be an advocate because I know there are some of those stories out there where it is truly heartbreaking and they're getting disowned yeah. left right and center um but you know then there are those stories like mine where you have grandparents coming to your burlesque show. and drag shows it's awesome it's so good yeah yeah shout out to and your grandparents and i hope that's where honestly. yeah shout out robin sue <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally going to send this to them and they're going to try and figure it out on their little laptop. <laughs> hey, if they can figure it out and go down to Buddy's <laughs> bedtime, then 
<laughs> they can figure out a podcast. I've oh, 100%. Um, okay, so we're going to wrap up here. Um, is there anything that you want to plug today, Kit? I know we're mostly talking about, like, uh, your drag persona and performing stuff. I don't know. Do you want to plug, like, performing stuff, maybe? Or where we can look out for performing well, stuff? Well, um, I there might be a sold out show, but I am going to be doing a variety show at Lowdown here in Collingwood. Mm-hmm. And I would definitely say to everybody, I know it seems far away, but you know, queer holidays are right around the corner in the summer. You blink in December, and all of a sudden it's August. <laughs> so you know, mid July is when Collingwood does our Pride weekend. Great. Um, so Great. I. Th- I think it's around like the 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th weekend in July. Mm-hmm. Um, mark it down in your calendars because if you are not done with your Toronto festivities of Pride, you're going to want to come to Collingwood Pride. It is such a good time. <laughs> it was amazing last summer. It's going to be even bigger and better this summer. Love it. Um, all right, let's see. For me, uh, I'm at the Lady Pim One on Twitter. If you want to go to Instagram, I'm the Bedpost Podcast, or also at the Lady Pim on there as well. Um, we have a Patreon. It's the Bedpost Show. We have a YouTube channel. It's also the Bedpost Show. Speaking of, I have a couple sex toy reviews I have to do that are kind of exciting. So stay tuned there, everybody. And um, last but not least, I always like to thank the person who does the original music for the podcast. She is Stephanie Copeland, and you can find out more about her and her art at stephcopelandmusic.com. Kit slash Christopher Cummings. This has been an erotic <laughs> experience. <laughs> this has Love been it. so lovely. As always, you've been on the pod a bunch of times in the past, and I hope you will continue to be on a bunch in the future. Open invitation, Kit. Um, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. I always appreciate being on. Yay. And I hope everyone enjoyed it. We'll see you next week with another fun and sexy guest here in the studio talking about sex and sexuality. Until then, get fucked, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. 